True Scary Story is a podcast about personal, terrifying stories dealing with the paranormal. True accounts from people who live through strange and supernatural experiences, told directly by them. My name is Edwin Covarrubias, and for years I have been listening to stories from people who have shared their most frightening true experiences with me. There was one story recently called There's Something in the Closet where Juanita tells us about her experiences growing up in a house where she would see objects physically move on their own, but the rest of her family would act as if nothing was happening. It wasn't until years later that she found out what the source of it all was. Which makes me wonder, if you were to witness a haunting, who would believe you? Come find True Scary Story by typing it into your app right now. I'll see you over there on True Scary Story. Horror Story is a podcast about strange and mysterious true horrors. My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and producer of Horror Story. In the show, I have an episode called There's a Stranger in Your Walls, and it's about a woman that moved out of her home because she thought it was being haunted. But the truth happened to be even scarier than the ghosts. Other stories dive deep into the supernatural, like the one of the most infamous cases of real ghosts, called The Haunting in San Pedro. But if you're into mysteries, learn about the pilot who disappeared in the sky. All of these and more are available on Horror Story right now, with more episodes coming out every single week. You can search for the podcast by typing in Horror Story on your podcast app right now. The show is the one with the yellow letters. I'll see you over there on Horror Story. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with an audio adaptation of frightening fiction about the hunter and hunted. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, standing in for my very good friend, Steve and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of James Vaudry is voice talent Trevor Rhines. Now get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our tale of the evening is written by James Vaudry and is performed by Trevor Rhines. 
In it, we meet an old hunter facing tough times who finds mutilated animal corpses, bizarre snares, and an easy catch which leads him to a bizarre rock formation. The hunter becomes the hunted when a horrific creature finds its way into our world. Now, without further ado, I present to you Easy Prey. The merciless sun hung in the barren sky like a heat lamp, beating down on the heath below. The heather seemed to plead to the skies for some reprieve from the baking sun, and the air hung still and sweltering. The only sound was the faint splashing of a failing stream echoing up from a deep, narrow ravine that ran the length of the vale, hidden from sight by parched brown bracken and crossed by an ancient wooden beam. Suddenly a single, hard crack split the silence repeating from the surrounding hills like a ricochet. A red grouse burst from the ground and rose into the southern sky. The beating of its wings panicked and irregular. It dove sharply down the northern bank of a scrub-covered slope, flying low over the dull green heather before turning sharply east, away from the ravine and upward, its red feathers flashing in the sunlight. A lone figure appeared on the crest of the heath, his hands working hurriedly to reload the single-barrel shotgun. He snapped the barrel into place and aimed, recoiling backward as the shotgun blasted again, but the bird was now little more than a faint smudge against a pale, bleached skyline. The man stood still for a moment longer, frozen in place, the barrel of his gun aimed squarely at nothing. He turned his bearded, wrinkled face to the sun and squinted, raising his top lip as if disgusted. With a sigh, his poise slackened, and he lowered the weapon. Time's moving on, he muttered quietly, his tone resigned and thoughtful. With a swift, practiced movement, he slung the weapon over his left arm and removed his cap to wipe his brow, revealing dark hair damp with sweat. It has been a rough season so far. A sweltering summer had bled into a dry autumn, forcing most local wildlife to stay in the shade, making them tough to find and even tougher to keep a bead on with the constant stifling heat. For a hunter as old as Jonah, it was getting harder and harder to stay sharp when all his body wanted was a cool drink of water and a shaded chair to enjoy it in. He had made only two kills in the last week. This, coupled with a slump in gun club customers, meant his secondary income of grouse and pheasant sales quickly became his main stead. The way things were going, he would be completely out of pocket by the end of the month. With a grunt of resolution, he replaced the cap and paced steadily down the slope to the ravine, crossing the bridge with care. His footsteps were sure and practiced as he descended to follow the flight of the grouse, the sun on his back. He had never felt older. Time seemed to be speeding up, pushing him forward like a runaway train with him lashed to the front, his life flying past him in a blur, making it harder and harder to distinguish one day from the next. He woke, ate, shot, ate, and slept. And each season, the hills felt more barren, 
more silent, less welcoming. His foot rolled on a loose rock, and he stumbled, barely keeping his balance. His thoughts returned to the present, and he became dimly aware of a dull buzz at the edge of his hearing. Jonas stopped and looked about him, trying to determine the direction of the sound. On the hillside to his left, about thirty paces away behind the gritstone outcropping, a cloud of flies swarmed. Black specks undulated and revolved up into sight and down again. Jonas stood and watched for a moment, considering his choices. Flies meant a dead animal of some kind. This was nothing unusual. He had found various dead animals in his years around the heath, but it was always good to keep a rough idea of the type and number of animals found dead, as an increase in carcasses was often a sign of disease in the local population. Jonah went up to the rock, his breath dry and rasping. On the flat, baking surface of the outcrop lay the body of a pheasant, decomposed to a vague mass of copper feathers, bone, and decaying flesh. Jonah sat on his haunches and regarded the carcass from higher up the hill, vaguely swatting around his face. The dead bird appeared deflated, a sign of advancing decay, and in the shorter feathers of its breast and side he discerned the slow writhing of maggots. Must be diseased, he said to himself in a heavy, grim tone, thinking of the effect this could have on his hunting chances if many other birds had been afflicted in the area. This was not the work of a hunt, or why would they leave it here? An animal, then? Predators killed for food and would drag their kill back to a place of safety before eating. No, this was almost certainly a disease. But something felt off. The feeling gnawed at Jonah from the back of his thoughts, and as he moved on, he looked again and realized where it came from. The carcass had been decapitated. He'd identified it by its copper feathers and general shape, but the characteristic red and green head was absent. From his initial viewpoint, the upper neck had been obscured by the wings. As he passed, its absence was plain. Jonah leaned forward to gain a closer look for any sign of the head when he felt a nervous tingle run up from the middle of his spine to his neck. He straightened and whipped his head towards the crest of the hill. A grouse was there, flapping its wings in panic, somehow caught in the scrub. Without thinking, Jonah raised the shotgun and, in an instant, had the bird squarely in his sights. His forefinger found the trigger. He applied pressure, raced for the explosive recoil, and stopped. The bird was still there, squawking and beating its wings maniacally above the front sight of his gun, no more than ten yards away. It appeared to be caught on something, unable to lift more than a few inches before swinging back into the ground, tracing a short arc side to side like a mad windscreen wiper. Jonah felt stupefied. He had never seen anything like this. Snare traps were a standard hunting tool, but they usually clenched around the neck, strangling the animal. Whatever had this grouse was attached somewhere low down, around the legs. He approached slowly, his pulse throbbing through his thick, arthritic hands as they held the hot gun at his hip. The dry heather cracked beneath his feet with each step. 
punctuating the diminishing squawks of the tiring bird, now little more than whimpers. As he reached the creature, he found himself on the edge of a circular depression, around thirty yards side to side. In its low center, two large obsidian rocks leaned against each other in an inverted V. He took this in for an instant, then looked down at the grouse. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Its wings twitched pathetically as it lay on its side, utterly exhausted from terror and confusion. There was no snare. The bird's right leg was wrapped with a sort of straw-colored twine made from plaited strands of dried grass tied like a noose above the small talons. The strange rope was around a foot in length, its other end tied to a tapered peg of shining black stone that jutted from the earth like an exposed tooth, glinting harshly in the bright sunlight. Jonah squinted at the bizarre peg, his brow deeply furrowed. Dried bird droppings were scattered on the heather around the stone, and it was obvious that the bird had been there for some time. He must have startled it when he came up the bank. But why was it here? With a harsh cry, the bird suddenly burst into life again, startling Jonah out of his confusion. With swift, thoughtless movements, he released his shotgun, caught the bird by its neck, drew his knife, and decapitated it. Crimson blood splashed onto the heather as the body fell with a soft thud, beat its wings softly for a few moments, then lay still, blood oozing out of the slashed neck. Jonah stood motionless, warm blood trickling out of his closed fist. He opened his palm and, seeing the lifeless rolled back eyes, was struck with a bizarre feeling of deja vu. He glanced back at the rotting corpse and then to the strange rock formation and felt his sense of balance warp with a gut-wrenching vertigo, his face contorted with fear and confusion. Suddenly, Inexplicably, he felt unable to make sense of his surroundings. Was that sand around those rocks? In years of walking and hunting, he had never seen anything like this. It was like a slice of the desert had been lifted from far off and dumped here. He could not shake the feeling that he had somehow lost his way. But that was impossible, surely. He was only a few yards from the ravine, after all. And yet, as he stood there, unmoving, blood oozing between his knuckles, he realized with a cold dread that he could no longer hear the unseen stream, 
The sharp stab of the grouse beak against his palm barely registered as his clenched hands trembled uncontrollably. Something moved behind him, a vague, shuffling hush, and he spun just in time to catch a shadow flitting across the gap between the column-like rocks. He released the head and scrambled for his gun, now somehow cumbersome in his calloused hands, the end of the barrel shaking wildly. What's that? he croaked flatly, more as a statement than a question. His voice faltered against the thick air that pressed around his mouth and ears, smothering him. He licked his lips and tried again. What's that? I said. Nothing answered. The stones sat silently in the center of the depression, half sunken in the sand. Jonah frowned, inspecting the dusty, empty patch surrounding the rocks, his survival instincts firing up like an old electrical circuit. He slowly approached, his tattered boots sliding slightly on the fine sand, making it challenging to balance. The sun was high, casting a short shadow on the earth to the right of the stones, yet also somehow behind them, a purple shade is visible in the gap between them. His position gave a better view of the strange shadow between the rocks as he came lower into the circle. It looked like a patterned curtain hung there, the top half a speckled blue-black felt material with a bizarre purple hessian at the bottom. The darker top half seemed to stretch downward with each step down, matching Jonah's step. With a slight slip, Jonah stopped, his barrel trained on the gap. Something was new. Several faint black shapes appeared on the horizon between the strange grass sheet and the bruised upper half. He squinted down the gun's sights, trying to make sense of it. They looked like flies. As he watched, the black specks gathered in the center of the image, forming a strange, hulking figure. Transfixed, Jonah watched as the figure appeared to grow, bleeding into the grass. A cool chill spread on Jonah's sweating forehead. He reached to wipe it with his fingers and felt cold on the back of his hand. He stared dumbly at his palm for a moment, then reached forward sweat glistening on his fingertips. The air ahead of him was cool. No, it was freezing. A shocked gasp of icy air froze Jonah's lungs as he looked to the sand before the unnatural gap and saw grains rolling outwards, pushed by an unseen breeze. He looked at the straw-like material and saw the subtle sway of the individual blades. It was grass grass beyond the gap, and something was running through it. A growing black mass was moving from a bruised skyline. He could hear its rasping breath and the subtle swiping of its claws as it galloped through the dry stalks, its two red bleeding eyes fixed forwards, fixed on him. Jonah's legs spasmed as pure fear bolted through his nervous system. The old circuits overloaded. He fell heavily on his side. Gritty sand scraped his cheek and teeth as his face hit the ground. His shotgun flew from his hand, scuffing into the sand as he scrambled madly on all fours. 
fighting to climb the loose bank. He crested the circle, his arthritic knees burning, his lungs on fire. He glanced back and saw two sets of black claws protruding from bleeding, coarse-furred paws that burst from the gap and gouged into the rocks on either side, an extended, slathering jaw full of overlong teeth on a vaguely woven face pushed into the opening, followed by an amorphous mass of variously colored furs, bleeding and oozing like a patchwork made of animal carcasses. The thing bellowed a wet, gravelly sound as it forced its way through, its bloody eyes fixed on Jonah. There was nothing else to do. He needed to cross the bridge. That was the only way out. He ran. He ran as fast as his legs would carry him. He ran past the weird snare, the decayed carcass, through the valley. He often stumbled his aging body betraying him while his mind fired in overdrive. Behind him came a loud crack and the sound of rocks crumbling. It had broken through. He turned to look and saw the corpse thing looming on the horizon as it had in the gap before. A vast, bulging figure comprised of the blood, meat, and bone of dead animals. It gazed at him for a moment longer then bellowed deafeningly, stretching its wolf-like head to the sky. Its clawed arms extended out to its sides, writhing and twisting. The pained cry sent another jolt through Jonah, and he fell through the bracken. His right knee, already burning, now erupted in white-hot agony. His scream of pain mingled with the creatures before it fell silent and dove into the brush cracking through the bracken towards him. His knee utterly ruined, Jonah backstroked maniacally, reaching backwards with his arms and shuffling awkwardly toward the narrow bridge only a few yards away. He heard the stream behind him trickling over unseen rocks in the dark crevice. The bridge was too narrow to cross on his back. He risked losing his balance and falling forty feet into the water. His teeth ground with the pain as he rolled over his stiff, swollen knee. The snap crunch of the creature's approach came louder and louder, its grating, rabid breaths rising in volume. He slid himself over the dry beams. The splintering wood tore into his old shirt, breaking off into his frail skin, and his right leg hung limply over the side like fishing bait. Finally, his hands grasped the base of the bracken on the other side, and he pulled with the last of his strength, his hands dampened with blood drawn by the sharp stems. The creature burst from the bushes behind him, sending earth and rock tumbling downwards in an echoing clatter as its claws dug for purchase above the edge of the drop. He could smell it now. The stench was stifling, a mix of fresh blood, feces and raw decay. From this close, he could see the dead eyes of the creatures it used, their decaying bodies writhing and twitching as unnatural energy pulsed through them, their jaws gnashing. Fear settled in Jonah's chest as he lay there, propped up on his elbows, staring at the creature. It was too fast. With this realization, fatigue fell on him like a heavy blanket. 
He could feel the adrenaline strength draining from him. He was done, and the creature knew it. Its long, thin jaw seemed to widen into a sickly grin as it regarded him. Eyes always locked on his. Thick, crimson blood dripped over blackened, crowded teeth. It began to cross the ravine, paw over paw, savoring the moment. The ancient wood creaked under its weight. Jonah breathed deeply and looked up at the sky. Above him, a single red-feathered bird soared, beautiful against the bleached sky, its brilliant red wings flashing in the sunlight. Bollocks, he uttered plainly, and with one rapid movement, pulled his left leg back and shoved with all his might, his heel against the beams, his elbows anchored into the earth. He felt his ligaments tear from his bones as he pushed beyond his body's tolerance. The creature screeched as the bridge first twisted, then lost its purchase on the bank and tumbled into the harrowing depths of the ravine. There was a squelching thud and a splash. Then all was quiet against the continued trickling of the water below. Jonah saw the thing's evil eyes widen in surprise before it disappeared down roaring as it fell. Jonah lay back and looked up again. The bird was gone. His legs were numb. The blanket of fatigue fell on him once more, this time heavier and warmer. His vision fell to blackness. Someone was speaking to Jonah. He did not recognize the voice. Awake. You awake back there. His eyes opened, and he saw nothing but darkness above him. He was lying on something soft, jostled gently from side to side. A single beam of yellow light cut across the darkness ahead of him, and he saw that he was lying on the truck's back seat. The driver sat to his left, a man in his fifties wearing a light hunting jacket, regarding him with a look of concern and relief. The light of the passing cars reflected in his glasses, momentarily dazzling Jonah. Thank God for that. For a moment there I thought you'd gone and died on me. Now, now, don't get to worrying. I found you out there by the ravine. Looks like the old bridge finally gave up, eh? Lucky you didn't fall in. Made a right mess of your knees, though. Not to worry. You're not far from the hospital. Get you seen to in no time. Jonah grunted his thanks and lay back. He was utterly exhausted, but his mind flitted through confused nightmare pictures as he dozed. Every bump in the road flared his knee pain and made him think of the bridge and the thing that had tried to cross it. Before long, the bright lights of the hospital emergency department entrance poured in through the back window. The door opened and the driver stood silhouetted in the light, a wheelchair before him. Think we could get you into this? Here, let me help. With an effort, Jonas struggled his way onto the chair. His knees were like swollen water balloons, hot to the touch and excruciating to move. As the man turned his chair, Jonah glimpsed the back of the old Land Rover. The cargo bed was covered in a blue tarp. It looked full. The material undulated and stretched in small hills over the unusual shape of the load. 
The driver caught his gaze. After seeing you off, I'm taking that lot to the vets. The wheelchair bumped as they passed the automatic doors. Harsh, artificial light spilled over them. Strangest thing. We found a load of dead animals downstream from where I found you. Where the ravine opens up. Looks like they were diseased or something. That might be why the hunting's been so tough this season. What's the matter? Jonah's eyes widened as the man spoke. His head spun to look back. Something dripped in the shadows behind the truck, and a small black shape fell onto the tarmac, briefly catching the light on coarse, bloody fur. In the hospital, they could not understand why he would not stop screaming. I hope you enjoyed Easy Prey as written by James Vaudrey and voiced by Trevor Rines. Trevor Rines sounds like a dragon, like a landslide, like a force of nature, according to one Evil Idol fan. A Toronto-based voice actor since 2005, his low, rumbling voice has been heard on TV, radio, film, documentaries, audio dramas, podcasts, old-time radio play reenactments, and narrating on stage with orchestras. On that note, be sure to check out the other shows we offer on our network. We have Horror Hill, airing Thursdays, for your hardcore, more brutal offerings. Drew Blood's Dark Tales airs on Fridays, featuring some southern down-home horror. Fear from the Heartland airs Wednesdays, and longtime resident Otis Jiry, that's me, as a show on Sunday nights that features two stories on the Standard Edition, as well as two more which can be accessed through our patrons area. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. Also, consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host for the evening, Otis Jiry, sitting in for Steve Taylor, and as always, it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 